This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This podcast was made possible by Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Slate Plus members get to hear another episode of this podcast every week, and we get a little wilder over there. You also get no ads on any Slate podcast and no paywall on the Slate website. To become a member, go to slate.com slash plus. It's only $1 for your first month. That's slate.com slash plus. Warning, this podcast contains explicit language and conversations of a sexual nature. Hi, I'm Stoya. I'm a writer and pornographer. And I'm Rich Joswiak. I'm a writer. We're the authors of How to Do It, Slate's sex advice column. This is our new podcast where we answer brand new letters all about your sex and relationship issues twice a week. You can ask us anything about sex or trying to have sex or not wanting to have sex. We're here to help. So here we are doing this podcast. This is our first episode. Here we are. We have a pile of questions to help with, um, and we have some fairly unique expertise yes. that we draw upon. What? Okay, so tell me this. Like, you describe yourself as a pornographer. What does that mean? So I performed under contract to a very mainstream studio for about five years, and that means having hardcore penetrative sex with other performers. And like many performers, I began producing and directing my own content. So I've worn many, many hats, but that's given me some very useful knowledge about the spatial geometry of sex and also allows me to comment from lived experience when people write in about pornography and situations where someone needs education that is more along the lines of like variety and what's possible and like ideas exploring what they might fantasize about. Yes. And also you've written other sex advice columns before. Yeah. You've also done advice. Yes. My entry into advice was kind of satirical. Pot Psychology was a video series that ran on Jezebel in which, you know, me and my co-advice giver, Tracy Egan Morrissey, would get stoned and give advice. And the whole idea was just to subvert the idea of advice. Like, why would you listen to these two idiots, you know? Um, And I think that's, I don't know, I think that's still kind of true in a way yeah i've always wondered and i may be projecting your motivation to find experts is beautiful and so helpful and i also wonder if a little bit of it is imposter syndrome you know as a journalist i'm getting assignments from people all the time with this column and they're really good they're questions that like I never thought of or I always wondered, but never really had an excuse to look up. And so 
that's really like what I've sort of taken advantage of. You know, I've written about sex. I've written about my sex life specifically. I think that that's probably one of the reasons why I was reached out to for this column. But also, like, I have no illusions about my own limitations as a human and thinker. And so I love to use other people's expertise. And sometimes I use your expertise, you know? (laughs) And frequently I use your research. So I think the podcast is very much just, as far as I conceive it, an extension of the column. We're basically doing what we do. We've got reader questions. We're answering them. We will be bringing in experts. We'll hopefully be talking to people who wrote in as well. Like, I would love for this to be dynamic, but basically we're just shooting the shit over here (laughs) (laughs) about sex. Yeah. And it's great. And I can't believe it's a job. I know. I'm super happy to be doing this and to be here. All right. Let's dig in. Dear How to Do It, I'm a mostly straight guy, 31, and I exited a long-term relationship about eight months ago. It was awful but I'm feeling better about myself and I'm getting out there. The flirting and making out, etc. with new women has been very fun and wonderful for my self-esteem. The problem I'm experiencing isn't very macho. Basically, when I come in somebody, I kind of fall in love with them. Seriously. Their smell comes to me at odd times, intrusive memories of recent encounters, what should we name our kids? After about a week of no contact, it fades, and I'm no longer an obsessive creep. I'm in no way interested in, nor ready for a relationship. Yet, when I blow my load in somebody's pussy or mouth, something just seems to click and I feel myself fall for them and crave them in a way I'm not comfortable with. My partners have not believed my reasons for cutting them off. I can't bring myself to lie, so sometimes I just ghost. One person texted me I was just another fuckboy with a line. But the truth is, I am in no rush to fall for someone again. I'm also horny. Is there a better way to go about screwing around without triggering these feelings and confusing my partners? Signed, Love at First Jizz. Sounds like oxytocin to me. Yeah. This person seems to just have a lot of oxytocin receptors. You know, this is a chemical. It's called like the cuddle hormone, right? Mm -hmm. It's just associated with kind of feelings of love and it's often released after sex. Now, typically speaking, women tend to release more of it after sex. And so Mm. that's sort of the emotional divide. You know, that's why women like to cuddle stereotypically and men fall asleep. But I mean, the human body from body to body, there's such variation that it makes sense that like here we have a guy who just has a lot of oxytocin receptors. Yeah, because of my line of work. I get a lot of questions about, like, how do you not fall in love with people? Don't you feel something having sex with someone, like, over and over if you work with them a lot? And I'm like, yeah, you do. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not the norm here, but just, like, in casual hookups, I feel things for that person. Now, does feeling mean we need to think about what we should name our kids? No. Right. But... Like, there's intense, deep feeling. You know, there is something to be said for, like, a very clean hookup that is just satisfying altogether. And, you know, I I didn't even catch his name walking out the door. But I also tend to measure the quality of my hookups in terms of whether I feel that thing or not. You know, you are connecting with another person. You can turn that off. You can be into the not connective part of it. But for me... I feel like compassion is, you know, treating people like humans before and after orgasm. 
but again, I don't have that love thing. I might have an intense fondness at times. Yeah. You know? So the love here is in quotes. Like our writer specifically says, like, I kind of fall in quote unquote love right. with them. And so the kind of and the quotes make me think that what they're describing are the fondness and tenderness and intimacy and like not necessarily like Western, like headed towards marriage love. Exactly. But then to me, it's like he already has the pieces and and can't he see that for what it is? I mean, he sees himself doing this over and over again. So when that happens, you say, oh, wait, this isn't headed down the aisle anytime soon. Probably. This is just that thing I do. And that should actually allow you to put things into perspective at least. Well, so, um... I am going off a mostly straight here. Right. I've noticed the more that a person is outside of heteronormativity, the more we have to think about what we're doing. Yeah. This guy, he's mostly straight. He was in a long-term relationship. I don't think that he necessarily can easily see the perspective here right and our culture you know the culture that we all grew up in in our 30s very much had this sentiment of like well you meet someone and you feel feelings for them and mm-hmm. then you get on the relationship escalator mm-hmm. and then you're on the relationship escalator and that continues in certain ways and if you're gay you know maybe you adopt right but there's this like all right you're doing it you got a feeling so now you're playing out this script and i think it's important here to tell him directly you don't have to play out that script yeah you can love people right and not play out that script well and i think that script for many people probably is a substitute for interrogation and thinking and i overthink everything and i'm not prescribing that you know (laughs) that has its own problems whatever but i think the other extreme of not thinking about it, of going through the motions of doing that thing you're supposed to be doing because this is what you feel and that is it is equally harmful potentially. For sure. So how should he navigate this situation though? Isn't it about just kind of being able to put your finger on that which you're feeling and how you manage that? I mean, look, there are any number of things that might set me screaming Right. And that's what I feel when that's the trigger. But part of being a civilized human being is saying I'm not going to actually listen to those emotions, Mm -hmm. pay them much stock, let them dictate my behavior. I understand what's going on and I kind of just need to remove myself, take a step back. I see what's happening. So let me manage that. Yeah. And when he says after about a week of no contact, it fades. Mm. That, to me, seems like a situation where he could be like, hey, person that I want to have sex with, I'm happy to see you every, like, seven to ten days. I don't want to text in between aside from, like, talking about when we're going to meet up and how that's going to happen. I think that's a pretty functional solution worth trying. A hundred percent. Then you're setting that barrier. Yeah. That you need because you have these wild freewheeling emotions. Yeah. This question also made me wonder, is this person perhaps a good candidate for polyamory? 
And I wonder if like polyamory attracts people who have this kind of oxytocin response releasing, you know, or more receptors or whatever. This is purely conjecture. This, to my knowledge, has not been studied. But it does make me wonder, you know, this capacity for love that some people seem to have infinity inside of them and other people don't. I wonder how closely related it is to brain chemistry. Anecdotally, I've noticed that poly people are much more likely to snuggle Mm -hmm. before and after Mm -hmm. and also to generally appreciate physical intimacy that doesn't necessarily result in orgasm. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, if there are any academics out there listening who want to look into this, we would love to hear from you when you have some data. Yeah, exactly. This is like the um, further studies are needed portion of our own I'm also, I'm happy to be a subject. (laughs) Um, I'll volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, in sum, my recommendation is mindfulness. You know, he's Almost got it. Just got to make the connection. You're observing this stuff. Now, what are you going to do about it to manage yourself? You know that these flights of fancy, romantic fancy, are something that you experience a lot. So now you can see it for what it is. Yeah. And figure out ways to proactively think about something else when you have those intrusive memories and all caps questions. And if intrusive starts to feel really applicable and it's happening a lot, you might consider seeing a psychiatrist to talk about whether there's any possibility of like OCD or something. Yeah, because obsession you don't really want. You do want to be able to manage that and you might need extra help. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We don't know. (laughs) If it feels like it's maybe a problem, go talk to an expert in an office who's seeing you one-on-one. Yes. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Let's hear our next question. Dear How to Do It, my husband has an old friend from school, Mara, who we see a few times a year. I also know her through mutual friends before I met my husband. She recently started in OnlyFans, which I found out about when my husband told me that she'd followed him from the Instagram account she's using to advertise it, and he had then followed her back. I admittedly overreacted to this. I'm currently going through a chemical abortion for a second baby that we both wanted, but have realized we can't have right now. I'm fairly primed for over-emotional responses. After apologizing and talking, we've both concluded that viewing sexual material of someone my husband knows personally is a hard boundary for us. But what are Mara's responsibilities here? What is the social etiquette for inviting your friends, especially those in long-term relationships, to view your online sex work? Mara followed only male friends from this account, no women, and many of these men are in long-term relationships. My husband made the decision to follow her of his own free will, but he wouldn't have known the account existed if she hadn't made the first move. It has hurt my feelings and makes me feel like Mara has no regard for our friendship. Is this a communication issue or is it not personal, strictly business? Signed, Insta Problems. All right, so this is really complicated. Yeah. Our writer, 
lot of hormonal intense stuff going on. Yes. We can take that and put it like in a corner, right? right. Like you're sensitive. That's valid. It seemed pretty logical to me. Doing right. a great job. Sure. All things considered. And the fact that they also know Mara, that's interesting background, but like not super relevant. Yeah. There is no social etiquette at this time. Right. Like online sex work and social media are such new things. Yep. And culture and society being such that someone would dip their toe into sex work and feel comfortable telling their friends about it is so new yeah. that, like, I don't know, let's make it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what our task is, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally speaking, how do you feel about people that you know socially viewing, you know, the material that you put online? So, you know, I am a weirdo. Let's, <laughs> okay. just, let's just preface with that. Like, I am strange in a lot of ways. Yes. It's mostly homeschooled. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> like, I didn't get the Got same it. socialization most United States citizens did. Yeah, yeah. But I think you do pretty well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I've, I've actually put a lot of like concerted effort. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my best friend, when I am particularly proud of like a pose or like an image or like the styling I'll send him a picture. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that picture includes my genitals mm -hmm. in a very aggressively, explicitly sexual way. Right. I've discussed this with him at one point. I was like, hey, so um, I just sent you like a really aggressive picture of my hoo-ha. Uh, <laughs> is that okay? And he's like, yes, it's absolutely fine. Like it doesn't feel sexual to me. This is your work. Like, it's cool. It's a great picture. I'm happy to, like, see and, like, be involved. And he had someone he dated in the past couple of years who completely flipped their lid over me commenting from my Stoya Instagram, which is my only Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, commented on, like, something that he'd posted of, like, something he saw on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, my God, like, how could this be happening? Like, it's so weird to be using her porn account to, like, comment. So, you know, like, the way I handle things, I get pushback for and, like, judgment on... But also, I prefer to live my life very open and, like, not particularly compartmentalized. Yeah. I do think it is very odd that Mara only followed male friends of her friends. Right. From this account. It strikes me as weird because that's just bad business. Oh, you would want to cast a wider net. Yeah, it's 2021. Right, right. And you think that only men yeah. want to see you naked. Yeah, total noob move. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, honey, like, you have to be much more, like, yeah. you know, Beyond open and accepting. Yeah. yeah, and, like, actually, like, female subscribers are some of the greatest subscribers because they're much more, like, respectful. Believe it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, that's not to say that I don't have male subscribers who are also super respectful sure. and notice details and are like wonderful. Of course. But overall, it's just, it's nice to have women subscribers in the mix and like women in your chat room and like all that kind of thing. Yeah. Although I will say that like following people via an Instagram isn't exactly setting a cataclysmic trap. It's kind of a mere suggestion of here's something you might want to take a look at. 
Yeah. And, you know, do with this information what you will. Yeah, but it's odd. It is odd. It's odd to be like, hello, I am actively following a large number of my male friends and only my male friends from my brand spanking new porn specific Instagram account. The the one thing I will say is that to your point about there being no etiquette, here's a couple who came up with the idea that viewing this kind of sexual material of somebody that the husband knows is a hard boundary. That is not a boundary that is cast in stone as to what every couple should be doing. So this person says this is a hard boundary. Mara may have an entirely different view of boundaries that isn't necessarily amoral or deceptive. She's not trying to necessarily, like, snare these guys in her trap. She's just got a different kind of outlook. Yeah, she just, you know, like, how I think it's totally acceptable to comment on my friend's personal Instagrams from my, you know, one-stop shop, personal and brand. I don't think it's weird to send my best friend an explicit picture, but I wouldn't to other people that I didn't have some sort of like sexual relationship with. But also per that conversation that you had, it seems like if that friend of yours had said this is getting to be a little too much, it doesn't sound like you would have pushed back and been like, well, fuck you. You got to take my pussy (laughs) (laughs) whenever I'm going to give it to you. I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. WhatsApp allows us to delete messages. Should we delete that so you don't have to see it? Exactly. Because we're Um, all feeling our way through this stuff. Yeah. And that's really what the writer and their husband should do here, which is feel it out. Yeah. Right. Go to Mara. And say, hey, I'm in a hormone hurricane right now. I don't understand why you did this social media thing. It's upsetting me. And like, see what she said. Yeah, listen to her answer. Yeah. And you might you might understand some of the logic. And you also might be part of us building a collective social etiquette around this subject exactly so yeah have that conversation in good faith too because chances are mara isn't trying to snare your husband it's not some kind of devious plan on her part in all likelihood she's just trying so there is a business aspect to it and like she might have ended up on some strange message board that like advised her to do this exactly and she's like you know scrambling to like pay some bill and so she's like yeah sure right i'll do it right sounds (laughs) good right yeah you're listening to this week's free episode our second episode each week is exclusively for slate plus members This week, we have a letter from a man whose best guy friend has been staying with him and his wife for a few months. It's been nice, except for what he just caught his wife doing. But if I were in this situation and I saw my boyfriend doing that, I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, what? (laughs) Yeah. To listen to that episode tomorrow, sign up for Slate Plus for just $1 for your first month. You'll get every How to Do It podcast with no ads, plus you'll be able to read every single advice column on Slate with no monthly limits. Join now at slate.com slash HTDI plus. That's slate.com slash HTDI plus. If you are in need of sex advice from Rich and me, you can write to how to do it at slate.com slash how to do it. 
Or you can leave us a voicemail at 347-640-4025, and we may use it on the show. That's 347-640-4025 and slate.com slash H-O-W-T-O-D-O-I-T. Remember, this is anonymous and nothing is too small or embarrassing. Our show is produced by Chow Tu. How to Do Its editor is Jeffrey Bloomer. Our letter readers are Shasha Leonard and Benjamin Frisch. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.